All right. Praise God. I'm going to try to speak slowly. <laughs> Tim, Tim, I sense unbelief in the crowd. Let faith rise up. <laughs> Luke chapter 16 this morning. Yes. Thank you. You're awesome. How many saw the Super Bowl? Okay. Stacy's back there saying, no, get thee behind me in Jesus' name. Um, how many saw the commercial, Jesus Gets Us? You know, I, I, for some reason, it doesn't hit me right. I'm sure the people that, that do it, I'm, I'm sure they're wonderful people and their heart is right. I just want to show you a video that my daughter shared with me, kind of like uh, along the same lines. Thank you, James, for reminding me. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. Something in my spirit just goes, amen. It's not just about him getting us, but it's about the transformation we experience in our lives because of him. You know, the Bible says that, the, that Jesus hung out with sinners. In fact, it was one of the complaints that the Pharisees or the religious people had about this Jesus. He was always hanging out with those people. But see... They felt comfortable around him, and they experienced transformation as a result. Remember that, <clears throat> what was that guy's name? He was a short guy. His name was, uh, was it Zacchaeus? Thank you. And so Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And he was a short guy, so he would have problems in a crowd. So he ran up, and he climbed up in a tree, you know, up ahead of where Jesus was. And to his utter amazement, Enjoy when Jesus got to him, he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm having lunch at your place today. The Bible said he jumped out of the tree and welcomed him and thought, this is, this is amazing. Well, they went to his house. They're, they're having lunch. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, everything I've wrongfully taken from somebody, I'm going to give back. And, and he, he just, repentance was happening in his life as a result of hanging around Jesus. All right. I'm talking too fast, aren't I, Cheryl? Yep. Okay. 
it, it's just hard not to get excited about God. What's that? I'm just a one cup guy, you know. I don't have a lot of coffee. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter 16. Again, thank you, James, for not letting me forget that video. We're in the second part of a, a series on stewarding natural resources, specifically about stewarding money. What a crazy thing to talk about in church. Shouldn't we be talking about more spiritual things? Or is the handling of money somehow related to the handling of spiritual things? Why is this area of money, that is how we handle it and the stewarding of it, why is that so important? Why does it matter so much? Because how we steward the resources that God brings us that becomes the testing ground for handling true riches. Now let's look at that again. Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 16, versículo 10. Now what he says here, you can find a number of places in your Bible. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So if someone is, is good at stewarding a little bit, they will also be good at stewarding a lot. And if someone is bad at stewarding a, stewarding a little bit, they're also going to be bad at stewarding a lot. But then Jesus brings the focus of this to let us know he's actually talking about the stewarding of money. He says, therefore, verse 11, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So in your notes, faithfulness in stewarding money puts us in a place where God will trust us with true riches. He will commit to our trust true riches. We need to see that how we handle money is actually this measuring stick that God uses to see whether we're ready to embrace real kingdom responsibility. How we handle money reflects our spirituality. Now, this is why it, it's so very important to talk about this area. And, and the truth is, I haven't talked about it for years. I used to talk about it every year, but, but I haven't for a long time. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. We're going to have to look at the two verses that we opened the service with last Sunday. In fact, let's read these out loud together. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, did, did I say, say something about, let's all say this together? I'm thinking maybe that, that was just in my imagination. Maybe, maybe I didn't say it out loud. So honor the Lord with your possessions and when the first fruits or the tithe of all your increase. One of the significant ways that we honor the Lord, that we acknowledge his place in our lives, is to take the tithe, 
of, of the increase that he brings into our lives and gives it back to him, acknowledging him as our source, that we are trusting in him in the financial area. Now we're talking about honoring God in the fashion or according to the instruction of how he says we are to honor him. And, it, and there is a promise that goes with this as a result of honoring God in this way. He says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The implication here is abundance, no lack. Barns were where you used to keep your resources. How many people here don't have a barn? Quite a few, okay. We, we, use, we use banks now. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. We're talking about abundance. We're talking about living in a place where this realm, this world is not our source because we've tapped into something beyond this realm. We've tapped into the kingdom of God where God is able to make all grace abound toward us that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's the God that we serve. It's not, when we talk about abundance, when we talk about prosperity, we're not talking about us being blessed, blessed, blessed. We're talking about being a channel through which God can bless others through. We're talking about being a resource that, that God uses to minister into other people's lives. I heard somebody say, well, they said, I, I don't want to prosper. I don't want to prosper. I'm doing fine. And I, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, that's really selfish. That's like saying it's just about us four and no more. I'm doing okay. I'm all right. No, God wants to prosper you so that you can be a blessing to others. God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. In Leviticus 27.30, it says, All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So this is the passage where God declares ownership over 10% of our increase. The tithe is the Lord's. He says it belongs to him. We honor him when we give back to him what he says is his. We honor God when we are obedient to the scriptures of the increase that God brings into our lives. We take 10% of it and give it to God. We are honoring him by obeying him and by giving him what he says is his. Now, one more time, let's look at the passage in Malachi. Uh, we're still kind of reviewing, talking about last week, I, where this message is heading. I want to talk about generosity. Uh, the New Testament, it, it, it takes us, the New Covenant takes us beyond the Old Covenant. The, the, the new covenant somebody said to me they said well, well I'm not under the law and I thought well that's right that's true 
But you realize the new covenant is much more difficult than the old covenant. <coughs> Moses said, thou shalt not kill. <clears throat> I just want to see a show of hands. How many people there have never killed anybody? Okay, most of us, most of us. Now, even when you're in the flesh, even when you're we're wa not walking with God, didn't kill anybody? Okay, that's the old covenant. You're doing good. But I say unto you not to allow anger to remain in your heart. Whoa. Whoa. The new covenant is a little more difficult than the old covenant. I'm going to need the spirit of God himself living inside of me to pull that off. I can't do that in the flesh. Moses said, do not commit adultery. That's the law. But I say unto you, not even to look on somebody with lust in your heart. Another level. I need God for that. Jesus talked about if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. I'm thinking in my flesh, if somebody hits me, I'm doing good if they don't hit him back. You understand what I'm saying? But to turn the other cheek, to position myself to be hurt again, I'm going to have to have the Spirit of God empowering me. So we're talking about the generosity that God wants to bring us into, but it starts somewhere. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I just can't believe how much time I have. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I will rebuke the enemy for you. You will no longer be in a place where he can mess with your finances. Bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Where, where do we take our tithe? To the place we are being fed. To where we are receiving spiritual nourishment. Your local church is the storehouse. But what is, what is interesting about this is that we are invited to test God in this area. Let me, let me read that promise again. See, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you so much blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer, the enemy, for your sake. Now, here's the thing. When we are obedient to God, when we've done our part, what's left is to believe God to do his part. There is nothing wrong with believing God to fulfill his word in your life. In fact, the Bible encourages us to believe God. When he makes a promise to us, it's not a kind of an empty thing. 
It's something that God wants you to grab a hold of. When I pray for the sick, I am grabbing a hold of a promise that God has made to us, and I'm acting on that, and I'm, I'm releasing my faith to experience that. Well, when, you, when you pray to get saved, do you expect to get saved? When you pray for healing, do you expect to be healed? When you pray for soundness of mind to be restored to you, do you expect him to do that? See, the, the nation of Israel was taught to worship God with their tithe, and they were taught to tithe in faith, expecting God to bless them as a result. Now, I want to look in the scriptures and talk about it because it instructs us how we are to tithe. If you tithe, like, like this is my Christian obligation to fulfill, you don't get it. If you tithe, like you're paying a doctor bill that you'll never quite ever get paid off, you don't get it. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to see if God will not open the windows of heaven. And to begin to live out of the kingdom, to tap into a supernatural source. Jesus, when he walked this earth, when he came, he brought the kingdom of God with him. And he actually lived out of the kingdom as he was walking the earth. And that's why when he experienced a limitation of any kind, it didn't affect him. I mean, he could reach into the kingdom and feed a multitude with a boy's lunch. He could heal the sick. He could raise the dead. He could send Peter fishing to get the money to pay his taxes. When you're tapped into the kingdom, the limitations of this realm no longer are something that, that, that control you. You're functioning out of a different realm. Deuteronomy chapter 26. This is God instructing Israel how to tithe. This is so good. I hope I can talk slow enough. Get the tranquilizer gun, Tim. <laughs> and it shall be, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it. As we're reading through this, I don't know about you, but I just want to New Testamentize it. We have come into the land. We've been saved. We have stepped into eternity. We have a rich inheritance in Christ. When you have come into the land, he instructs us to... Versiculo dos, <clears throat> that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. <clears throat> they were to, were to take the first fruits of their increase to the place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. Today, that would be the church. We are his dwelling place, and particularly to the church that you call your spiritual family. <coughs> Verse 3. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I'm going to sip some water. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days. Who is the priest in these days? Hebrews, what's that? Well, we are priests, but the high priest is Jesus. But you're right, we are, we are part of the priesthood. We are a, a holy nation. Hebrews 3.1 says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one we present our tithes to. He is the one who is the priest in our day. He is the one who receives our tithes. Now, let me show you that in Scripture. In Hebrews, <clears throat> now remember, Hebrews is this amazing book that is contrasting the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. According to Hebrews, we are in a better covenant established on better promises. In the Old Covenant, it was associated with Mount Sinai, where God gave the Ten Commandments. In the New Covenant, we are associated with Mount Zion, where David set up the tabernacle of David, where no animal sacrifices were, were done, where, where they were offering continually the sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of their lips, giving thanks to his name and worshiping and honoring God. That's the mountain that we've come to. The Old Testament priests were after the order of Aaron. The New Testament priests after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7, 8. Here, mortal men received tithes. <clears throat> Those priests were mortal men. But there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. In the New Covenant, Jesus Christ the one who lives forever, the one who ever lives, the one who is after the order of Melchizedek is the one we present our tithes to. Verse 3. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. I declare today to the Lord my God that I have come into the kingdom which was promised to my fathers. I've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm sorry, I keep trying to bring this into the new covenant. Verse 4, Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. He will take the tithe and he'll present it before God. Versículo 5. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. My father was a Syrian, about to perish. He went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Now, why, why was God getting them to say all this? He wanted them to realize where they had come from and he wanted them to realize what they had been brought into, what God had done in their lives. Verse 7. Then, then, then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers there in captivity in Egypt and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand 
and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now let me just New Testamentize that a little bit. I was a sinner serving Satan, but I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you delivered me out of the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of light. Verse 10, and now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. See, they took their tithe and they worshiped God with it. Their giving was part of their worship to God. Versículo 11. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house. You know, just take a minute and think about it. Where were you before God rescued you? Taking the time to rejoice in all the good things that God has done in every one of our lives. When they presented their tithe to God, it was a time of rejoicing in the goodness of God. It was a time to activate their faith to receive, to receive what God had promised. Versículo 14. You guys doing okay? You know, there are certain things that I'm excited about. How many, this may totally surprise you, but I'm excited about healing. Don't think I shocked anybody. But I, I, when I discovered tithing as a young Christian, now I'm, I'm not working for the church. I'm, I'm, I'm working in a grocery store, and then I went to work for Frito-Lay. I'm, I, w- I was, it's the one time in my life I could say I was rolling in the chips. <laughs> so I'm driving this truck around, and, uh, but I am discovering that you don't have to live subject to this realm. And I'm so excited about it, I... I've got testimonies almost every week that I share with the, the church I'm a part of or people. I, the other Frito-Lay guy, we, we had a meeting in Lewiston and we're coming back and, and I, just, I couldn't help it. I had to tell him what happened. You know, I, I, needed, I needed this much money to get by until my next paycheck and, and l- let me tell you what happened. And the guy says, I've never had any money. Everybody walk up to me and give me money. Well, it's not that. It's not that. It's, it's God heard, hears our prayers and he manifests. He, he answers those prayers. God knows what you have need of. God knows everything about you. I love that first song, Tim and Miriam, because yesterday at the men's breakfast, our scripture was, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. And when it says he cares for you, that doesn't mean like, oh yeah, I care about that person, or I care about, it it means he cares for you. Like a mama cares for a baby. Like he cares for you. He will take care of you. He's God. You're his kid. You're his son. You're his daughter. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, uh, verse 14, and have done according to all that you commanded me. Now look at verse 15. 
Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. I, I have been obedient and I have worshipped you with my tithe. Now look down from heaven and bless me according to, his, to your word. God said, this is the way I want you to give. Come before me and declare this. Release your faith. Expect the blessing of God to come on your life. Now, I, I want to share with you this morning a New Testamentized version of this declaration. In fact, let's, let's stand for a moment. Can we do that? This is, the, this is the cardiovascular part of the service. Okay, now sit down again. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. And now lift your hands. No. So, uh, do I not have a declaration on there? Oh, my goodness. Why don't you guys sit down? Go ahead. I, I, um, I made some copies of this declaration, and I put them out on the counter in the foyer. You want a copy? No, no, I've got it here. But thanks, Dave. Uh, I'm going to send it out an email, you know, probably today. If, if you're on our email list, you'll get it. If you're not, you want, might want to grab one of those. But let me share it with you. As a, as a, as a young Christian... What I would do is I would get my paycheck, and it says to bring the first fruits of your increase. So the first thing I did was write my tithe check. And then I would lift up my hand, and I would hold it up to Jesus and, and say, Jesus, worship God with this. And I would declare, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I confess this day that I have come into the inheritance which you promised to give me. I have come into the land which you provided for me through Jesus Christ, the kingdom of Almighty God. I was a sinner serving Satan, but I called upon the name of Jesus Christ. And you heard my cry and delivered me from the power and authority of darkness. You translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. Jesus is my Lord and high priest. I bring the first fruits of my income to you and worship the Lord God with it. I rejoice in all the good which you have given to me and my household. I have obeyed your voice and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Father God, in Jesus' name, look down from your holy habitation and bless me as you promised in your word. By faith, I know that you have opened the windows of heaven, of heaven above me and you are pouring out on me your abundant blessings. Lord, I thank you that the, the, the devourer has been rebuked and Satan is rendered helpless in my finances. I praise and thank you for the privilege and benefits of tithing. This is my confession of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. About the third or fourth time that you do that, you realize that what you're doing is based on the scriptures. They're based on how God said to do it. Do you know when you do things God's way, it's just better. 
And when, and when we do things according to his word, we can have great confidence before him. Now, one of the predominant ways that we release our faith is through our words, through speaking, through declaration. In your notes, this is where we left off, James, faith is released two ways, through words and through actions. But often those actions follow after a declaration. There were 10 lepers a ways off from Jesus pleading with him. Jesus said to them, Go show yourself to the priests. Now, that's something he would do if you thought you were cleansed so that he could ratify it. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Faith is released through words and actions. One time, Jesus said to a blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he came back seeing. One time, Jesus said to a man, pick up your bed and walk. In that action, his faith was released. You can see it throughout scripture. So faith is released through words and actions. Through words, in, in, in prayers, in, in declarations. How do, you, how do you release your faith towards a mountain? You speak to the mountain. Isn't that what Jesus said? Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Mark eleven twenty three. Faith is released through declaration. In fact, nothing happens in the kingdom apart from declaration. There's a reason that we make declarations every Sunday as we give. But see, this declaration from Deuteronomy chapter 26, that, that, that happens in my life before I ever get to church. I remember as a young Christian, I told you just a minute ago, writing that check, presenting it to him, and just making that declaration long before I made it to church and put it in the offering basket. And I would say, take this and worship the Father. See, when you, when you give of your substance, you are giving part of yourself. You are giving of your labor, of your skill, of your effort, of your time to God. And I remember I would just say, I declare blessing over my life as an obedient son of God. Now, I want to take a few more minutes this morning and take us beyond tithing. It's in our understanding of all this. We need, to we needed to focus on this area of honoring God in order to get beyond it to the next level. The next level is called generosity. And that's really what the new covenant calls us to. Amen. It takes us beyond not killing somebody into not having anger in our heart. It takes us beyond committing adultery to not even having lust in your heart. It takes us beyond tithing into radical Generosity. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. I love these verses. If you've been here a long time, you've probably heard me use this verse for the offering umpteen times because it's so powerful. 
Versículo 24. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So there's one that's always sowing, always giving, and yet they're increasing. And there is, there is another who withholds, hangs on to it, tight-fisted, and it ends in poverty. I love the New Living Translation of these two verses. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The one who is generous increases. And, and the one who waters others, they experience that watering themselves. Now, generosity comes from a perspective change. I will never, I can never step into radical generosity if I am my source. Or even if this realm is my source. Generosity comes from being transformed by the renewing of your mind and embracing God as our source and living with that reality that the kingdom of God has unlimited resources. That, that causes me to see differently. See, when you experience a miracle, it, it opens your eyes to see things you couldn't see before. I remember when the first time I prayed for somebody and they got healed, I was ready to scream, Hallelujah! I was, I was so excited. But, but, it, but it, it did something to my faith also. It allowed me to, to see something I couldn't fully see before. God has unlimited resources. And see, that causes me to see differently, which causes me to live differently, to be generous. But the change must first take place inside of me. Do you remember the scripture we were looking at last month? We were in a series called Thriving Versus Surviving. And we were looking at 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. The, the Apostle John knew how to pray according to the will of God. In fact, he was the one who said, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So that man says, beloved, Loved of God, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. See, that's the catch. Just as your soul prospers. This is the renewed mind. In accordance to your soul prospering, in direct relationship to your soul prospering, I must let the word of God give me my perspective on things. I must not let the world give me my perspective. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, be not conformed to this world. 
Don't let the world take you and shape you and tell you what's right, tell you what's wrong. Don't let that fashion you, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. It's, it's the renewed mind that knows what God's will is. As I prosper intrinsically, things will change around me. I, I, was, I was at our Monday night prophetic prayer time, and I was telling the people there, I was saying, you know, I woke up this morning, and I, I felt like the Lord said to me, seeing is believing. And I'm thinking, that doesn't seem right. I think you have to believe to see. You know, that just didn't seem right to me. And uh, so I kept talking to the Lord about it. And I realized what he was saying is, he was talking about seeing something inside. When I see that mountain move, it's going to move. Seeing is believing. I, I'm, I don't really believe something until I see it inside of me. I see it done. I see it completed. Seeing is believing. Just as fear paints a picture. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fear paints a picture, so does faith. Faith paints a picture. All right. Many, many people live with a poverty mindset. Even many Christians live with a poverty mentality. They, maybe they've lived in lack for so long that they can't see anything else. They, they just can't see beyond it. It has shaped their perspective, their, their mentality. So how do you break out of that? I, I love this story in Mark chapter 5. It's, it's about a, the woman who had the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Man, I keep thinking I'm going to run out of time, but yeah, I've got all this time. I don't know what we're going to do a little bit later. Maybe we'll have uh, Frank come up and lead us in some calisthenics. Oh, I'm getting flashed. Am I talking too fast? Or, or am I saying the wrong things? I need to change the subject. That seemed like a rebuke. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't recognize those things very well. Okay. Mark 5, verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. You know, 12 years <clears throat> is a long time to have a problem like this. A perpetual bleeding problem. Could have been menstrual. Could have been something else. But that's a long time. 26. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So she's gone to a doctor, and, and then another doctor, and then another doctor, and not gotten any better. She suffered at their hands. She had spent all her money, but was not any better. In fact, she was worse. She could have been wealthy before this, but she's not anymore. She had spent all that she had. And what this begins to develop in a person is a sickness mentality. Man, man, I'm sick all the time and getting worse. 
But you begin to have a grow worse mentality. You can't even see yourself as healed or healthy anymore. Man, it's been 12 years. This is how you see yourself, sick and sicker. See, when you, when you live in lack, with your finances are always so tight, it forms a mentality, a poverty, a lack mentality. You don't want to have it. It's not your choice, but it, it's all you've known for, for years. How do you break out of something like that? It requires declaration and action. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. You know, she had heard stories about Jesus. And the people that were healed, I mean, to a sick person, wouldn't, wouldn't those stories be amazing? And wouldn't that make you start to dream? And she thought, you know, maybe I could be one of those people. Maybe I could get healed. She did something pretty radical. See, see a person with a bleeding problem would be considered unclean. And a person who is unclean is not supposed to go out in public like this. Imagine how that affected her life for 12 years. If you're out in public and someone comes close to you, you're supposed to say, unclean, unclean, to warn people. Because if they touch you, they'll become unclean. Do you see why this was such a radical action on her part? She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She pressed through the crowds that were trying to touch Jesus. She touched a lot of people to do this act of faith. Veinte ocho. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She made a, a faith declaration. If only I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Then she acted on it. There was both declaration and action on her part. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. God met her at her place of faith. She felt it. She knew she was healed. Now here's the amazing part of this miracle. Jesus didn't initiate it. The woman's faith did. Verse 30. And Jesus, knowing immediately in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So Jesus didn't cause this miracle to take place. It was the woman's faith that made a demand on God's healing power. Jesus felt the, the power flow out of him, and he's thinking, who did that? Who touched me in faith? Verse 31, but the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? Jesus, everybody is trying to touch you. Many people have touched you. But see, someone touched him in faith, expecting to receive something. Verse 32, and he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was fearful and trembling. She might have been expecting a rebuke from Jesus. After all, she had done something that wasn't exactly lawful. But, verse 34, And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here was a woman who had an infirmity mentality, a grow worse mentality, but she did something to change her mentality. She began to declare, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. If I, if I can just get close enough to touch his clothes, I can be healed. She probably said it over and over again. But then the opportunity came. Jesus was in town. And she put her faith into action and got healed. Now she has a, a healed mentality. What she began to envision, touching his garment and being healed, it became her reality. But it began by breaking out of her sickness mentality. How do we break out of a poverty mentality? How do we step out of this place where we, where we have lived so long? Simply by embracing the commands of God, but don't forget to embrace the promises of God too. By obeying what the Bible says and beginning to declare his promises over our lives by declaring the truth. I serve an abundant God. I live from the, the kingdom of abundance. My God shall meet all my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm the one who scatters and increases more. I am the generous person the Bible talks about. And then begin to put some feet on your, on your declarations. Begin to act on them. Honor God with your increase. And, 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 from, and from there, God wants to take you into generosity. One of the greatest joys that Mickey and I have experienced is just being able to help people. Just being able to put sometimes hundreds of dollars in people's hands. You have no idea what that is like. I mean, I, I, some of you probably do, for sure. It's, when Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's really true. Now, the person who receives, they're blessed. The person who has a need met in their life, they're blessed. But they're not as blessed. They're not as blessed as the person God uses to, to, to be that blessing. That's the most blessed person. Well, I think I've kept you long enough. Stand together. I'm serious this time. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I want to invite you to pray with me. A simple prayer. It's a prayer of dedication. It's a prayer of invitation. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, you are my God. You are my source. You are my provider. I want to honor you with my giving. I want to declare your lordship over my finances. I stop trusting in myself. I stop trusting in my abilities. I trust in the living God. You have promised to meet all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Fulfill your word in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
God, you are so good. We are so cared for. We are so protected in your presence, Lord. Thank you for teaching us principles of the kingdom. Principles that we can live by, that we can walk with you using. Lord, open our hearts to more. Father, we want to be those who release your kingdom wherever we go. We want to be those who carry your heart of love and compassion and share with others, Lord, of your goodness, of your greatness. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite prayer teams to come just to be available if you would like prayer for anything this morning. It'll be available. benediction I want to give you is Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 11 may the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you God bless you saints have a great great weekend